All right, let's jump in this morning. Last week, last week we talked about liars lie, and we talked about the enemy and how he lies, right, as, as we're in this series of In the Beginning, looking at Genesis, and we, we talked a little bit in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to continue looking in Genesis 3 today, but as we talked about liars lying last week, today we're going to be talking about what happens when we believe the lie. All right, what happens when we believe the lie? And I want to say this, a little spoiler, it might not be what you think. All right, and I say that as a good thing, okay? But let's, let's let the scripture speak for itself this morning as we read in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Okay, so the first thing that happens when we believe the lie that the enemy tells us is that there is separation from God. Separation from God happens when we believe the lie and we eat the apple, right? And we take that step of temptation. There's separation. There's sin, right? And so with that comes a reaction that we have. And that is we try to cover up our shame and our guilt. And we see that immediate response from Adam and Eve right here. They, they sin. They believe the lie. And what do they do? They create this covering of fig leaves and they hide. Right? They go and they run. And here, here's, here's the thing. Adam and Eve, they admit their guilt over what they've done before ever saying a word. Because they go and hide, they're admitting, I've done something. When we are walking in the truth and we are walking with the Lord and we are in lockstep with Him in our lives, the last thing that we're thinking about doing is hiding, right? No, we're doing cartwheels in meadows with the Lord, right? And we're singing of His goodness and we're out and we're seen. Like, here I am, Lord, right? It's when we believe in the lie and we take that step and we eat that bite from the apple, that's when we go and hide and we create separation from us and the Lord. And here's what we need to understand, y'all. When we try and cover up our own shame and our own guilt because of the things that we've done, we fail miserably at it. We fail every single time. Let's just look for a second the significance of fig leaves here, okay? There, I'm going to read this because I'm going to get it wrong, but I want y'all to know that I'm, I'm, I, I looked this up and it's real, all right? The sap of a fig tree has a chemical compound called, bear with me, furocumarins, maybe, right? Uh, but it's a real word, which causes fig leaves to be itchy and irritable, okay? So let's just consider for a second where Adam and Eve were wearing these fig leaves, okay? Right? And so in trying to cover up their guilt and their shame, they made things worse, right? They made things worse. They were putting fig leaves that are itchy and irritable in places where you don't want things to be itchy and irritable. Can I get an amen, right? Because they didn't know what they were doing. All they thought was, I got to cover up my shame. Listen, y'all, when we try to cover it up, we make it worse. We make it worse. And then they're so foolish to think that they can go and hide, right? One of the things I love doing best with, with our youngest daughter is playing hide and seek in the house, 
It's hilarious. Listen, she's, she's not only even three years old yet, so cut her some slack. But when we play hide and seek, you know, I count and she goes and she, and you hear the, the pitter patter of her feet and she's all excited because daddy's finally giving her attention and not watching the Jags anymore. And, <laughs> and she runs into our room. She climbs up onto our bed and she immediately goes where she goes every time. And that's to our pillows. And she covers herself with our pillow, right? But it's only from her head to her waist. Her legs are sticking out and her cute little feet are just right there on the bed. And I walk in, I'm going, where's Ellie? Where could she be? And she starts giggling and her feet just start dancing because she's all excited. And she thinks because she can't see me that I can't see her, but I can. And even if I couldn't, I still know where she's at because she goes and hides there every single time. But again, she's not even three. Also, let's cut her some slack. And I love it, and it's fun. But when we try to hide from the Lord in our guilt and shame, we're nothing but a two-year-old trying to put a, a pillow over our face, thinking that we're hiding from God, right? It, it doesn't work. We fail miserably. And we think because we've put ourselves in a place where we can't see God, that he can't see us. And that is wrong, 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 wrong. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere everywhere watching those who are wicked and those who are good he sees it all y'all he sees everything and so not only should we not hide because of that but we're not supposed to hide the reason that we're not good at it is because we're not supposed to do it we're not supposed to hide from the lord when we believe in the lie we're not supposed to cover ourselves with fig leaves when we believe the lie. Listen, two weeks ago, we talked about God being relational. He created us for relationships, to be in relationship with him and to be in relationships with each other. It is the enemy's goal to get us alone, to get away, to go and hide and to be away from everything, right? That's what the enemy wants to do. God has created us to be relational. And if let, let's read Ecclesiastes chapter four, starting in verse nine. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, we're not designed to be alone. We are not designed. We are not created to be alone. And that's why, y'all, we have launched community groups. Because we're not designed to be alone. And as great and as awesome as our Sunday mornings are, and y'all, I love them, they're incredible. We need more. We need more because we can easily come in here, sit by ourselves, have service alone, and then go out into the world for the next six days and be alone and come back and do it all over again. And this is cycle, right? We need more. And so we have community groups so that you can be involved with people so that when you are struggling with something and maybe you believe the lie of whatever the enemy is telling you and just, just maybe you're brave enough in these groups to actually admit it and you confess it, you're going to hear not, how dare you, you weirdo. You're going to hear, oh, I can relate to that. I've walked through that. I know what you're going through. Let's pray together. Let's conquer this. Let's stand back to back and let's go against the enemy and the lie that he's saying over you. Don't go and hide. Don't go and hide. 
Walk with us. Be in this community. That's, listen, y'all, that's why we're doing this mission trip. As much as I am, I am excited to go and serve another church in a country that needs it and, and, and be in relationship with another church, what I am most excited about, and I've said this at every meeting that we've had about this mission trip, what I am most excited about is the relationships that these men on this stage are going to form that they didn't have today that they're going to have next Sunday. That is what it's about. Linking arms together, holding each other's arms up when we get weary, not running and hiding. Not running and hiding. I want to do a quick, quick show of hands here. Quick show of hands. Listen, most of us, we know each other. We're, we, we don't put on airs here at Beach of Chapel. We are who we are, right? But quick show of hands. So we can be honest. This is your chance to brag. But who in here, just put them up real, real proudly. Who in here has never sinned? Come on, let's see it. Let's see it. Ben, no? You're a triathlete. He lied on his resume. Uh, talk about that. I don't even see him in here. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> All right, real quick. Here, who here then has maybe tripped up, believed a lie once, but you were able on your own, with your own abilities, able to make up for that and get right with God on your own? Quick, show of hands. Still no one. Why is it then when we believe the lie, when we take a bite, that we feel like we are the only ones and we go and we run and hide. Because that is another lie of the enemy chirping in our ear telling us that. And it's a lot easier to believe that lie when we're alone. When we go and we run and we hide. The devil will have a field day with it. But if you go to people and you're in community and you talk about what's on your heart and what you're struggling with, you're going to hear that you are not alone. It's not just you. And it's not. Our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that Beaches Chapel is a home for all to begin and grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Two components, to begin and to grow. Beginning a relationship with Jesus is awesome. Right? It's that moment where everything changes. You have received Jesus as your Savior, and the old is gone, and the new is here, and it's amazing. The grow part, it's a little tougher. The growing part can hurt. Yeah, it can hurt. The growing part is when we believe the lie, but then we get up, and we let the people around us walk with us, and we go to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness and we persevere. Like we'll read about it in a second. That's what growth is. But y'all, I'm telling you right now, if you don't give up on Jesus, those things that you are struggling with right now, one day you will not. One day you will not. But it does not come from hiding in the woods. It does not come by, by clothing yourself with fig leaves. It comes by going to Jesus over and over and over again. Romans 5, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom he, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings, Produce perseverance, 
Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And here it is, y'all, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We sin, we mess up, but we have hope. We have hope. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. You are a new creation when you follow Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus. Do you still sin? Do you believe the lie? Sure, we all mess up. But what's different is where the old person struggled and beat their head against the wall, trying to figure out how to make up for what we've just done, living in shame and guilt, the new creation says, no, that doesn't define me anymore. I have Jesus in my life who will forgive me, who will pour mercy on me, and that is not who I am. And I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to persevere, even though some of those sufferings are my own doing. And I'm going to cling to the hope that brings no shame on me. But y'all, we can't do it by hiding can't do it by being alone. We have to do all of this together. That's what we're building here at Beaches Chapel. We are a family. There's no hierarchy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Everyone say just. He is just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I didn't say the title so far this morning for today. It's God is just. He is just in what he does. And what we read here in 1 John is that he is just and will forgive us our sins. What does that mean? It means that he honors the sacrifice of his son when we go to him and we repent. He would be unjust if Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the perfect sacrifice, and didn't forgive us. You see that? So he's just to his own sacrifice that he gave to us so that he could forgive us. He's not unjust. He says, I see Jesus as a sacrifice and I honor that and I see that it is good enough. And so because I am just, I will honor that sacrifice and because of it, I have to forgive you because the spotless lamb died for you. That's why he's just. Because of Jesus. And God himself sees that Jesus' sacrifice was enough. Can we please, church, see it the same way? And stop trying to add to it all the time by putting fig leaves on ourselves? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And so we see the second reaction. The first is there's, there's distance created between God and man when we believe the lie. And the second one, and it's almost, it's like in lockstep, in hand with that first one, is that is fear comes in. They were afraid. They're separated because any time that we separate ourselves from God, that opens the door so wide for fear to just come rushing in. 
Perfect love casts out fear, but when we distance ourselves from perfect love, guess what? Fear can come in. And so there's this misunderstanding that I've, I've, I've believed the lie, I've eaten from the tree, and so now I gotta go run and hide and I get all sorts of afraid because God must punish me for this. That's the only recourse that he could possibly have is that God is going to punish me for what I've done. And I am now disqualifying myself from God's love for me. Let me tell y'all something. There is nothing that you can do. Please hear me on this. Nothing that you can do that will disqualify you from God's love. Not a thing. Not one thing. We have to go to him. We have to go to him. Not go be by ourselves. We have to believe him when he says that he loves us and that he's just and will forgive us. Then he asked the question, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God's not asking him this as this condemning God. Did you do this? Did you do what I told you not to do? You better not have done that. With his teeth gritting and he's yelling, right? Pointing his finger at us like we feel like he's doing sometimes. You know what he's doing here? He's giving them the opportunity to repent. Did you do this? And oh, if only Adam would have said, I did. God, I did, and I'm sorry. You told me not to, and I didn't listen. Will you please forgive me? If only he had done that. If only we would do that. If only that would be our first reaction, and not our fourth, fifth, or sixth, or 11th, or 50th. But we go to a God who is just and faithful to forgive us, and confess our sins when he opens the door for us to do so. And y'all, he does it all the time. And this morning is that door opening as well. Will we do it? Or will we play the blame game? Like we read here in verse 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me. Pause for laughter in parentheses. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? Another opportunity missed. The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. All right, so there's a little shift in God's justice here in these few verses. He goes to the man, he goes to the woman, he offers them a chance to repent. But then he shifts his focus to the serpent, to the enemy. And this is where we see God being just in righteousness. He sees this serpent who is deceived his children, and he is not happy about it. And if you'll notice, this conversation that he has with a serpent is not a negotiation, all right? It is a one-way conversation where God says, this is what is going to happen to you. And what I love in Genesis chapter 3, from the moment that a sin is committed, God's not going, oh, what am I going to do now? This whole thing's messed up. From the very beginning, 
he foretells Jesus. He says, here is where I am just. You are punished, Satan. But these two over here that you tried to deceive, I got them. I got my children. I'm going to send Jesus. And though you may try to strike his heel, he is going to crush your head. He's going to crush your head. And I want to say this to all of us, but I, I think, and I'm putting myself in this boat, there, there's a lot of us in here that really struggle with seeing what looks like wickedness prevail in this world. What looks like injustice and evil having its day in this world. And we sound a lot like David in the Psalms. How long, O Lord, how long? How long will you let this happen? You're a God of justice. Won't you act, God? Listen, church, he already has. He already has. The enemy does not get away with anything. What did we read in Proverbs 15? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch over the wicked and the good. He sees, and they will be held accountable for what they are doing in this world. But that's not for us. That's not for us. What we need to focus on, what we need to remember is that we're trying to still learn to go to Jesus, go to the Lord with our own things, right? To keep our hearts pure, to keep our ways pure and right and good, to dwell on those things that are peaceable, right? The other stuff, that's for the Lord. But he is just. And he has crushed the head of the enemy. So the next time that you get all fired up and want to go on a rant, just tell yourself, he's already crushed the head of the enemy. He's already crushed the head of the enemy. And thank you, Jesus, for it, that it's not our battle to fight, Lord. Listen, as, as you read in Genesis 3, we're not going to do it this morning, but there are ramifications for what happens to Adam and Eve. Adam, you've got to work the ground. Eve, you're going to have labor pains, you know, but that, that's not this lightning strike, gavel down on the desk ruling. What it is, is the change that has occurred. It's the change that's occurred. They're no longer living this perfect life. This is the result of your sin, right? Not my punishment over your sin. This is what you're going to do now. God is just. And things happen when we sin. Things happen when we believe the lie, but never once does God stop loving us. Never once does he leave us. Never once does he forsake us or abandon us or think less of us or hang those things over our head. In the midst of the ramifications that are happening, he's telling them, I'm sending you my son to fix this. I'm not leaving you. I'm, I'm sending him to you. And the enemy's going to try and strike his heel. What a joke. Because in doing so, Jesus is going to crush his head. Psalms 89, Psalm 89, uh, starting in verse 13, says, Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. What an amazing illustration of who God is righteousness and justice are his throne that's what he sits on that's what he reigns in 
but faithfulness and love go before him. Last year when we were doing the study on Esther, we, there, was, there was that moment in the story of Esther where Mordecai tells her to go to the king, who is her husband, and say, and, and fight on behalf of the Jews, right? And she tells Mordecai, if I go and he doesn't want to see me, the only punishment is death. He's going to put me to death if he doesn't want to see me, and I haven't seen him in 30 days. He's like, well, what are you going to do? And she decides to go, and there's, there's more to the story. I'm really paraphrasing. But she goes in, in, into his room without being invited. And Xerxes sees her, his wife, and he's so pleased to see her. And he extends the gold scepter to her, which says, it's okay for you to be here. Right? That, what, what an illustration of God. He sits, on, he sits on this throne of righteousness and justice. But when we, as his beloved, come to him, we don't need an invitation. The invitation is always, y'all. When we come to him, he extends his hand of love and faithfulness to us. We don't ever have to be afraid of approaching our God. We don't ever have to feel like we got to hide or we have to put fig leaves on. He's saying, come to me, come to me. Faithfulness and love go before me. Yes, I am a God who is righteous and who is just, but faithfulness and love are for you. I've made a way for you. You don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to walk in guilt. Those things aren't for you. In my hope, there is no shame. My goodness, I hope y'all are listening to this this morning because I know that there are many of us in here, many of us who are watching online, who have been walking in shame for far too long, who have been living out on your own, alone, hiding from God, thinking that you're hiding from God, trying to close yourself, trying to do all these things to make yourself right with God, and it's failing and you're dying on the inside because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't have a relationship with people. You've isolated yourself from those around you. And as people are trying to reach out to you saying, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Or how can I pray for you? Whatever, you just continue to just extend that hand, pushing them away because shame is causing you to. There's no shame in Jesus. Y'all need to be delivered today in this moment right where we're at. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. He does no wrong. He will do no wrong over you and how he is just in your life, how he is just in this world. God does no wrong. His ways are perfect. And here we are in this moment, right here, Beaches Chapel, Sunday morning, opening that door, giving you the opportunity to release and let go of that shame and that guilt that you have been trying to hide away, even though he sees it. We may not, but let me tell you all something. People are more perceptive than you think. And you might think that you're hiding from them. You're not. You're not. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend and saying, you know, what's going on with so-and-so? Something's up. I, they're not saying anything, but I can tell. Well, chances are that's been you before too. And if you're hiding right now, and whatever that looks like in your life, that's being said, but not in a gossipy way, but in a concerned, loving way. At least from us. At least from us. And so the question is, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? 
What have you done? It's causing you to hide. God's, God's asking these questions, y'all. He already knows the answer to them, and he's just wanting you to come to him so that he can take that off of you. And let's, let's remember, in that moment where everything that he created, this paradise for Adam and Eve, for them to do, and they ruined it, he said, I'm sending Jesus for you. I'm sending Jesus to make this right. That is who God is while being just. I'm going to have the band come back up. I'm going to read Psalm 1 to you. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. God is just over this world. He is just over this world. He sees it all. So we need to release those frustrations over what we're seeing. And we need to focus on how to be that tree that's planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. We do those things. We, we, we accomplish this by going to the Lord. When we believe the lie, we go to the Lord. When we eat of the apple, we go to the Lord. And he says, what have you done? Did you do this? We don't blame anybody else. We fall on our knees. Say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And he is faithful and he is just to do so. Because God, more than any of us, understands that Jesus' death on the cross was more than enough. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. You can try all you want. It's not going to work. If you've been walking in that place in your life where you're just, you have shame, you have guilt, this is our moment. We're going to do something a little different this morning. We're not going to have the elders come up. I just want you to, right where you're at, band's going to just play for a little bit before we, before we start singing. Just bow your head and have some time with the Lord. It's, it's not about me and you and the Lord. It's about you and the Lord. And there might be some hard things that you need to say. And if you need some space, you can go to the back. You can get up out of your seat and go to the back. If you need to come up to the altar, come up to the altar and bow. But this is not a moment where we want you to air your dirty laundry to everyone. We, we love you and we'll pray with you, but the only one that can release that guilt and that shame is Jesus. So he's the one that you need to tell. But as you do, my challenge to you is to don't hold, any, not, don't hold anything back. Don't hold anything back. Be honest with him. He can do a lot more when we're honest with him. And our, my prayer, my hope today is that if that's you, one, you'll be released of this, the burden that you've been carrying. And two, you won't be lonely anymore come back into fellowship with people 
maybe with your spouse even and your church family that you love and the light that you had before will be restored. You'll be able to live again. This is the moment. This is your opportunity and I, I hope you take it because I don't know if you remember earlier, no one raised their hand when I asked who hasn't sinned. We're all in the same boat. None of us are perfect. We all need to live a life of repentance every single day. It is a, it is a beautiful gift that God has given us, repentance. It is, it is a beautiful gift. I believe there's no other place than on our knees in repentance. And there's nothing greater that grows us closer to the Lord than that. Worship is awesome. Reading the Bible, oh my goodness, amazing. But you want to feel the love of your Father? Open up your heart to Him that the things that you're ashamed of and feel Him wrap you in His arms and say, I love you. So if we could um, dim the lights as we, as we pray and wherever you're at, again, we're going to open up the altar. But this is, this is your time. This is, this is your time to be with the Lord. But let me just pray for us and then we'll, we'll take a moment or two. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you that you are, are just. That justice for us looks like Jesus on the cross. Taking our sin and our shame and our guilt putting it on him, saying, that's for me. That's not you. That as we believe in you, as we give our life to you, as we confess you as our savior, we are a new creation. And the old is gone. We no longer have to walk in shame. We no longer have to hide. We no longer have to cover ourselves, Lord feeble attempts to make up for what we've done. But God, that as we, as we come to you and we confess, we're open with you, trusting you, that is how we change. That is how we grow. And those things that were once temptations, those lies that we heard that seemed good will be bitter in our mouth. They will be detestable because we've spent time with you we know what is truth. We know what is good. So Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning that needs to have a conversation with you, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would give them the courage to do so. And that what they will experience is not the gavel hitting the desk. It is not condemnation. It is the love of their father who has been waiting and waiting and waiting to pour it out onto them. God, if there's anyone that's lonely, has isolated themselves, I pray that you would bring them back. Bring them back in this moment. God, we, we thank you that the frustrations that we feel when we, when we look at the world and where it's going, that we can know that you have already crushed the head of the enemy and this battle is yours. And we are on the side of victory. Pray for the world right now, Lord. That those that are searching for truth would find it in you. They would find it in you, Lord, that as it's just a little bit of light that shines in darkness, and that we would be that, that the church would be that. And that you would be that, Lord. 
this moment. You're so faithful. You're so faithful.